to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Believe.com. This week, we discuss some of the highlights from the Yule Log stream, the dev team's recent crackdown on cheaters, and the alternate colors coming to some of the league teams. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast and the last episode of 2019 and of this decade. Yay, end of the decade. It's so weird to think, like, wow, it's the end of yet another decade. So for those of us born in the 90s, we've already lived, and and, uh, I guess earlier, we've lived in at least... Two millennium, two centuries, and three decades. Like, that's crazy. That's just insane to think about. Right? And then now now, now this podcast is, spawn, is spanning two decades. Yeah, we could say we've been podcasting for two decades now. We've been officially. podcasting for decades. Yeah. How's your holiday season, Kevin? Uh, holiday season's all right. I mean, I I did quite a bit. Um, I've been learning how to draw recently, so I've been getting a lot of like art books and references. Ooh. So I'm trying to trying to get that all underway, so I don't have to bother my friends every single time. I want like a picture drawn. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, what kind of stuff are you drawing? Uh, just pretty much like anime stuff for the most part. Just trying to come up with like emotes and. Um, stuff like that for the stream because my I haven't really updated my stream in a while, so mm-hmm. uh, definitely want to get to that. Um, and then other than that, all I've been doing is just getting the event stuff and just playing playing some games. How about you? I don't know if it shows in my voice, but I got a little bit sick within the last couple of days. Um, it's been a very busy, busy time for me. Um, Normally, each year we'll go to my cousin's house in uh, Oceanside, which is like near San Diego for Christmas. But my grandma is in the hospital right now and my step grandpa passed. So we've been kind of dealing with that a whole nonsense and stuff. So like we spent just Christmas here at our own house and it was fine. Um, and then my brother and my brother's birthday is the 28th. My dad's birthday is the 27th. And so it's just been literal, just nonstop going to restaurants and stuff. Um, I've been neglecting doing the event because I, first off, I just keep getting sprays and emotes and whatever's in my loot boxes. So it's like the only good skin I've gotten is the McCree one. And I, I really want the Sigma one or the Reaper one. Cause I actually play those two characters. Um, but also I've been neglecting it because uh, uh, for Redbox, they're actually not going to be carrying the um, physical copies of games anymore. So they're trying to sell off all their games for like really, really cheap. 
So I got um, Death Stranding for like 30 bucks and I got Borderlands 3 for 18. So I, I took advantage of that and I've been playing those. And I also got Pokemon for Christmas. So my attention has been very divided. I don't know if um, any of the red boxes still have games because I'm guessing people have probably bought them all up by now. But if you find a red box with a decent game, like go for it. They're like dirt cheap. I will take note. Yeah, I've also been doing uh, Pokemon stuff for quite a while. Been trying to get a competitive team up so I could at least compete with my friends, you know. How's your Wooloo team? Uh, it, it's going all right. It's more like um, I have to figure out like the gimmick that I want to do with the team because um, they can only learn like fighting moves and like maybe an occasional like other move, but they're just yeah. pretty they're pretty just standard right now um the team that i'm working on right now is the rain dance team so it really utilizes rain dance and has like really quirky like pluses because of the way how rain helps certain moves so uh-huh like in rain hurricane and like thunder will hit 100 percent of the time like it won't miss so you could use that with whatever you have like character wise and then some of them have like swift swim so it moves faster it's a whole bunch of extra stuff um that i'm just trying to get done see you actually understand the ins and outs of pokemon i'm just like which attack will knock the gym out the fastest and also not at the same time not knock out the pokemon i'm trying to catch yeah that's what i've had a lot of issues with recently as well it's just like I want to catch this Pokemon, but my Pokemon are too buff. And then like, yeah, I, I might accidentally kill it. And then I was like, wait, quick balls are a thing. You throw the quick ball first and then it doesn't stay in. And then you start panicking. So yep. it's like, oh, yeah. crap. I just have to keep yep. throwing Pokeballs until it catches and hope my Pokemon doesn't get knocked out. Yeah. Just let it take the beating. So See, like when, I, when I'm playing it, it's like I, I like leveling up my um, Pokemon at least to like 10 levels above where the gym's at so i can just cheese it and knock them out in one hit just one shot all the gym leaders pokemon mm-hmm. so by the time i get to pokemon that i want to catch it's like oh i'm like 20 levels higher than you what is this now how am i gonna catch you now yeah okay let's let's move on to the news so like all the other years that we've had overwatch um we had the papa jeff Ulog stream where Jeff just sits in a chair in front of a nice toasty fire and stares at us or stares off into the distance for hours on end. Um, yeah, but this year, uh, one of the things he did, I guess why I didn't actually watch the stream. I think I was out of the house when it was, yeah, I think I was in the hospital. Um, well, when the stream was actually going on, but I read in an online article that Jeff was making Legos and talking out loud with speculation about the Junker Queen with stuff like, is she going to be a tank or is she going to be a damage player? Because she's definitely not going to be a support. I only caught a little bit of the Yule Log. I wish I could have sat down and enjoyed the whole thing. But I do understand that it was a full 24-hour stream. And usually, like, the way how people would watch the yule log stream is that we would know that he would start doing something every hour so you would set like a timer for like 55 minutes at a time yeah and, and then, then when he's done the you just yeah you just pop in at the hour and you'd be like okay 
this is what he's doing. But uh, I didn't do that this year. Um, but at the same time, like I was kind of glad I caught a little bit of the beginning where they had the um, they had the call-ins from the voice actors and the Overwatch League talent. Uh, just kind of wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Um, so that, that was pretty nice to see. Um, and then, you know, the whole Yule Log experience with Jeff is just great. I think it's just a good way to connect with the community, especially during the holiday season. Yeah, it's it's so it's just funny how much of a meme it's become. Uh, I saw one that I really liked because I'm a big fan of SpongeBob and all the SpongeBob memes. Um, so this is the episode where uh, SpongeBob becomes like a cop for the day and he deputizes Patrick and he's menaced to all the bikini bottom. And there's a scene where Patrick just says he's just sta- staring there menacingly. And it's a picture of Jeff in his chair looking at the camera. Now, what, what do you think about the um, the Junker Queen stuff that he teased us with? Okay, I do like the idea that he's at least referencing to Junker Queen. Like he's, if anything, he's feeding the community like intrigue and interest. They're like, oh, okay, he he didn't forget about Junker Queen. Junker Queen is a thing. The one thing that I'm really curious once again is. Um, tank or damage right because like the tank role definitely needs more you know like players or more characters to play um but at the same time we'd be like okay so does it work with hammond as well um Mm -hmm. because you know that's kind of lore based that the junker queen was the one who crowned the champion and she's still the one who makes the announcement when you pass through the gates of both A and B with Hammond, she's like the champions returned or the champion yeah. has arrived and stuff like that. So you have to maybe maybe you could honor that in one way or another in the game with having like something that really synergizes with Hammond. Um, but other than that, we have to just leave it up in the air. We have to just believe that the Overwatch team is going to give us something interesting uh, with Junker Queen um, and then see what see what she could do. I'm wondering if if she's a tank because like looking at her her renderings that people have done and the the very few images we actually have of her I can't really see her as a tank the way she is but considering it's Junker Town with all the robots and stuff what if she is another mech character like D.Va like I what, could what see if we her yeah I could definitely see her as kind of like a like a scrappy like mech character um just because you know the whole scrapyard theme is there plus you you know she's not gonna be a tank on her own unless she's gonna go like toe-to-toe with zarya or something like that yeah um, we don't we don't Which know I, I personally don't see i, I can't yeah. see that as a thing so maybe this is just me like brainstorming maybe she starts out with armor and then she like loses it over time but after a certain kill like she regains it or she could use like I don't want to bring back the old scrap mechanic that Torb used to have, but you know that could play into the way how she builds armor onto herself. Um, the only downside is like you know if you get a team kill and then she's just walking around with like 800 HP, that'd be really, <laughs> yep. really insane. If they're gonna do something with Junker Queen, I feel like it has to be unique or bring back like an old mechanic like the scrap like idea. Um, yeah. 
I feel like she she's definitely going to become like an interesting hero if she gets implemented. So only time will tell. Hopefully 2020, uh, the early 2020 hero. So like March um, of 2020, we'll get her. Um, but we'll see about that. They kind of threw off the whole calendar with Sigma's release. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to figure but, out yeah. what they're planning. Because like Overwatch, the team announced that she'd be part of the the game a long time ago like she wasn't just like a throwaway character um yeah i'm wondering what her her weapon is going to be because i'm looking at some of the uh the fan art the concept art that we have of her and like that poster that's in um junkertown it like she's holding a big old staff it like it looks like ray's staff from star wars from from what i can kind of tell unless it's just like a beam pole gun or whatever so I wonder if if we're gonna get like another Rhinish um Brigitte character out of her with just like a staff and she just runs around the field whacking people with it. That might whacking be interesting. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think that if anything, it just helps as long as she doesn't she's not gonna have a shield. It, it doesn't look like it's a part of her character. So No, nah, it doesn't look like having that. somebody who could kinda like, I guess, snowball or stay even closer than Zarya to help out Reinhardt would be really interesting to see. Yeah. Okay. So um next little bit of news we have. Um the Overwatch development team caught this cheat called Pentagon, which has been circling around, and they are starting to massively banhammer anyone who's used this cheat from what i understand and kevin i know you said you've run into people who've either been using this cheat or just cheating in general but from what i can see it looks like it's mainly an aimbot um yeah from what i see here it's uh, uh i think i guess there's three tiers maybe of like what you can get um a lot of it's aimbotting there's a lot of uh flick shot prediction it can show you where sombras are that are invisible. It shows the their field of view, stuff like that, like auto shot for Widowmaker, um, skill shot prediction with Anadart, no recoil, um, and yeah, people are actually people are paying money for this cheat. It's not like a free thing they can download. Um, it's at least I'm looking at the price here that I can see on this um, Im- this image on the tweet. It's eight dollars and fifty per day. $35 a week or $100 a month for this cheat. Um, there's also, uh, if you go on to um, Gameriv, G-A-E-M-E-R-I-V.com, uh, that's where I'm looking at this article. But the tweet from Overwatch Police Department says that there's a, an album of people just reacting and crying to being banned. Like, there are people who are saying, I only used it once, why am I banned? It's like, no, the fact is that you did use it once. And you're banned because it's against the rules of Overwatch. Why? Why are you crying? Yeah, it's actually written in the rules. It's just, you know you can't use any third party cheats or help in any way um, to improve your game. And this is one of them that has been going undetected and has been boosting people to about my rank for quite a while. Um, and I can see why. Like I have people in my friend group who are like really really good and they can be like they can watch this gameplay and be like you know he's he's wall hacking he's looking through 
Like he's already tracking my head when I'm behind the wall. Like nobody knows where that is. It's been going around. I'm glad that the development team has finally gotten onto it and cracking it down. Um, but we'll see if this has any ripple effect on the league. I don't think, obviously, if you're in the league, you're pretty legit. But, you know, we've had that whole Kefri thing where he's just like, he's cheating. He's looking through the wall and all that stuff. So, you know, this might help validate some of his points if any of the players that he called out have said hacks. But I do feel like the the magic of this entire thing is reading all the comments of the people who are crying about it because it's just entertaining. They're like, wow, man, I only use this for like five minutes. And they're like, dude, you paid eight fifty to use it for a day. Like you're of course, you're going to get caught and figure it out, found out about it. So um, if anything, it hurts Pentagon's whole business scheme. But at the same time, it's like don't cheat like if you want to get good just get good normally it hurts pentagon but it helps the rest of us exactly it's a it's a ban for the better community for the community also what are you doing with your life that ostensibly you're paying a hundred dollars a month to hack play overwatch to make you feel good while you play like what what does that do for your ego you're not actually good at the game you're not actually at the rank that you are now. You're hacking your way up to the top. <laughs> what does that do for you? What are you doing with your life? And I'm not like pushing other businesses, but like boosting costs less than this. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not saying I just know some of the rates because, you know, people slap. They're like, oh, you should just pay me X amount and do this. But like, Boosting costs less and it takes up less of your time. So if you were going to go for, you know, a cheat, just have somebody boost your account. It's you, you don't have to play. So it like doesn't eat up into your time. You could be doing something else like, you know, spending money on merchandise or something. Uh, yeah. But overall, just like don't cheat. It doesn't make you a better player. And what does... What does your Overwatch ring really equip, like help you with? It just makes you feel slightly better. Um, like as I said, SR is just a number. Like I can go into a, a match and people will look at me and be like, "Oh, you're you're just a plat Reinhardt, like whatever. You're easy to play." But I've been playing against people who are in like the collegiate scene. I'm ready to like help out and rotate with a team. So. You know, SR is just a number. It comes down to the way how you play and the way how you, you know, are smart about the game. It's all about game sense. Also, though, the danger of, of boosting right now is I'm looking at the comments on Twitter for, for the tweet from the Overwatch PD. But like some people are saying like, good game to the people who boosted using this. Like if, if you paid someone to boost your account and they boosted it through using Pentagon, like you're screwed anyway. <laughs> Yeah, if you paid somebody to boost your account, it is like it's the same as account sharing, which will get you a fine if you ever do go into the Overwatch League, um, or at least a suspension. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like, it, just get good at the game. Learn from learn from streamers. Learn from people who are gonna break down the game. Like anybody can become better. That's just the best thing to say um, about this whole thing. Also, what, what's crazy, too, is I'm reading through the uh, 
the Twitter post and like most people are are like agreeing with us. It's like this is ridiculous. Why would you do this? This what does this have in your life? But there's occasionally that one individual is like, "Wow, why are you doing this? Don't you have a life? Don't you have anything better to do than like catch people cheating?" And it, I, I'm just very concerned as to where their mentality's at. Like in, in what in what universe does it make sense to be upset that you caught people cheating and ruining this game? Yeah, in what universe do you defend the person who's committing the crime here? Like, if anything, it's their job, the Overwatch development team's job, to find people who are cheating and making the game and environment terrible for the rest of us. So, I'm glad that they're doing their job. They, they're doing exactly what they needed to do. So, I hope that, you know, the dev team keeps it up. Good job for catching Pentagon and making my games more balanced. Big applause to to the Overwatch dev team and whoever caught this and is taking action. Um, yeah. So, uh, moving on, the Overwatch League teams appear to be changing colors. Um, there have been a few images going around. Uh, the ones that I saw uh, were for the Los Angeles Valiant, who are apparently, based on these images, changing from green and yellow to blue and yellow. Um, I know, Kevin, you said in your Discord, you know some of the other um, color changes that are coming into the league. The only one that I like can confirm that I saw was the San Francisco Shock are no longer going to have the gold in their color. Um, they're just switching out, switching that out for pure white. So it's going to be a little bit more contrasty and less like weak, in my opinion. My question is, like, what happens now to the Boston Uprising? Like, you have essentially the same colors. Like, yes, they're, the Boston Uprising's blue and, and yellow is a different shade than the LA Valiant's blue and yellow. But, like, if you see these two jerseys from far away and you, and you don't see the logo, like, you're going to think they're the same jersey. Maybe one's a little bit dingier than the other. But what does this do to the Boston Uprising? Are they going to change colors? Or are they going to stay the same? Because, like, they had it first. Yeah, that's what I feel like is another conflicting thing. It's like, what color will their jerseys be? Um, especially for Boston Uprising, now that their colors are kind of stolen by the uh, by the Valiant. So, I do think that the Valiant's colors look, like, somewhat similar, but due to the light the lighter aspect of it. I feel like it's enough to differentiate. Um, we also have the thing where some of the colors, the color schemes are different in terms of the way how it's presented on the Jersey. Like you remember how the, the Atlanta rain had the peach one for a while because that went with the whole Georgia theme. Um, the San Francisco shock had a camo Jersey. So maybe they might bring back those third, uh, the third wave jerseys just to differentiate them when they're both on the same stage. But other than that, I really don't see a reason to change it. Maybe if you want to rebrand completely, um, that might be something to look at, which, yeah. you know, we saw what's going to happen with the Florida mayhem as well. Uh, it looks like they're slowly moving towards like a black and pink neon kind of colors kind of I really like go that with the whole scheme. Yeah, it's way better than their old McDonald's theme for sure. So yeah. um 
as long as they have something that helps them stand out. I mean, if Boston wants to take the McDonald's colors, I guess it's up for grabs. I'm I'm just wondering like what what prompted this at least at least two three team change in colors in the Overwatch League because like their green and yellow wasn't bad. Like, it I, wasn't I should, bad. I liked it. it. It like when I thought of it, I thought of Loki, which is like he's a cool character. Like who wouldn't want to be associated with Loki? Tom Hiddleston, come on. Yeah, it also looked really cool. Like the the deep forest green with like the gold. I, I yeah. thought that was just a really cool look. But um, if anything, it might be because of like parent company stuff. Like if they let's just say if like a parent company oh. dropped out and they want to like start pushing their colors onto them, like that could be a thing. But okay, yeah, we see like for example, like the London Spitfire kind of have the same color scheme as Cloud Nine, um, which is their parent company. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the San Francisco yeah, Shock. Yeah, the San Francisco Shock and NRG don't even have matching colors, so I don't know. It it might be the parent company flexing and saying, "Hey, we want you to look more like us, so we get associated." Um, but I don't necessarily think that's the only reason. What do you think that it's going to do for like um, the the classic color jerseys? Do you think those are going to go become uh, worth more in price? I guess technically to like a collector on the the internet market. It will definitely go up for people who are collecting it. But at the same time, I don't know what will happen to the jerseys that they have in stock. I mean, I guess you're safe for most of the teams. But at the same time, now the teams that are changing colors, you have to like purge all of it. So if that does come into play, let's just cross our fingers and hope that they give us like a 70% off sale on all old jerseys um, just around the corner for holiday season or that might be a good way to even promote like the the world cup or not the world cup the uh the homestands it can just be like hey we're selling all the old merch time to stock up on that so you don't look like a scrub when you go to the (laughs) you go to the homestands so i mean in an idealistic world like they might sell all this off for cheap now and if the the league does really well and it takes off then like years down the line when you find that original jersey that like someone bought for like half off, it's gonna be worth like four times as much because it's the original colors. Yeah, and it's probably even cooler if you do get it like signed by the players. Mm-hmm. And you know, the home stance would be the time to do it. Especially because they're they're making a big deal for a lot of these. Like their first home stand's gonna be like for a lot of these teams, it's gonna it's gonna be a party or they're they're trying to get you to want to come to these things, so they're gonna pull out all the stops, hopefully. Yeah, and we'll definitely discuss that next week when we do get into home stands. Um, but I do agree that it is the first time that a lot of um, fans are gonna be able to do something other than a watch party. So let's just see how that goes. While we're on the uh, topic of jerseys, um, I, I'm I was on uh, Facebook again as. That's where I collect most of my news topics for pretty much everything. But IGN posted a thing that um, Puma has announced a new line of gaming socks dubbed the Active Gaming Footwear, priced at around $100. Um, I'm, I'm a bit confused personally. Um, I can see how in, in some sports, certain footwear or clothing or whatever 
does increase your performance. Like with soccer, the cleats or football, the cleats are going to help you dig with certain like martial arts sports. The pants allow for a lot more range of motion. But I'm a little bit confused as to one, what does performance wear do for gaming? And two, what do performance socks do for gaming? And why are they a hundred dollars? Yeah, this gets a huge question mark from me. Um, Puma, do you understand that gamers don't get out of their chairs? Like they're literally well, inside. Like, yeah, I don't go wear inside. shoes when I game because I'm in an Asian household and we don't wear shoes in the house. Exactly. Like most of us wear like just socks. We we're not wearing like full on cleats and like boots when we play our games. Um, if anything, I would have loved to see Puma maybe go into compression sleeves or even compression gloves because that's what i wear when i game because i get a, mm-hmm. i have a bad tendency of getting like carpal and playing for way too long so i yeah. put on like compression gloves to help me play a little bit longer and keep my hands warm and comfortable but gaming but socks wise hands. yeah you're like not you're not your gonna feet. exactly uh unless if it's like ddr but ddr isn't in the same realm here so that was two decades ago yeah not we're, we're this decade yeah, not the yeah. next decade ddr <laughs> stopped being a thing in like 2007 exactly so we just need uh we, yeah you need to work on gloves puma just shift from the shoes to the hands and you can branch into the vr market and go from there honestly this is probably some of like just looking at this right now some of the most expensive athletic wear that I have ever seen. Like a pair of of socks for a hundred dollars. What? Yeah, and like what does it really give you? Like what's the difference between this and wearing like socks and sandals? Like I understand, like, I, I personally have this issue where, like, my feet get really cold, but at the same time, like, I could just put on some slippers and yeah. just, or, like, double layer on socks and I'll be okay. Um, yeah, I don't think that we need a $100, like, gaming sock. If anything, we could use that towards, like, a stream deck or something that will help our peripherals like you get we could spend that on a new keyboard a new mouse or new headset you know yeah and like i understand for overwatch league we have the jerseys because that's the look that we're going for and it's it's the uniform of the team but what what about gaming is is active enough to determine that we needed specialty athletic clothing like most of these people are sitting down at a computer like if anything they need the gloves to warm their hands because like if you've ever been to um blizzard arena when it was still around like it was cold in there like they had the the hand warmers for a reason because it actually is really cold because they have to keep the computers cold so at most they're gonna need um some good gloves to keep their hands warm and keep them able to move their hands very quickly but anything else no yeah i feel like the only reason why 
these could have been a thing is because of the rules when Sigma was released. I don't think that I'm not going to tie all this back. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat real quick, but here it is now. Like the uh, Overwatch League had like a foot rule where they were like, no, nothing about feet in, in the Overwatch League like arena. And then like, I remember XQC got fined for not wearing shoes when he played, but that's like something that he does to get comfortable. Like I'm looking at these things and I'm thinking of like those, those toe shoes that that came out uh, like what 10 years ago that people like kind of used for either running or climbing, but they looked really weird. Yeah. The, the bare feet thing. Yeah. Those ones. Also, I've noticed that we, in, in this podcast, Kevin, you tend to put on that tinfoil hat a lot. There's a lot of tinfoil hatting on this podcast. I mean, it's a good hat to wear. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think that this is a th- this would help out in that case in terms of like, let's say if a player wants to take off their quote unquote shoes and get like comfortable, they could wear like this very minimal gaming sock and have it count as a shoe. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm not the Overwatch League players. I think if anything. You should allow your players to get comfortable. Uh, like if they're if they're not gonna wear shoes, just let them not wear shoes when on the stage, and they have to put it back on when they have to leave the stage. Yeah, but yeah, there was that whole rule when like Sigma was on the verge of being released, where they were like, "Oh yeah, no foot like signs, no no feet things," and just Puma's like, "You know what?" We'll create the most minimal gaming sock for you guys to wear so you could get around this rule. I'm like, no, I I mean, I buy a lot of really, really useless stuff and just buying geeky things for the sake of buying geeky things. But on a list of things that I would not buy, this is very high up on there, especially because they're around a hundred dollars. Like, okay, just just purely for hypothetical purposes. If you were to buy a gaming sock, Kevin, what is the most you would pay for a pair of like performance gaming wear athletic stuff? Probably like uh, it depends, but I would say like 50 at the most. Like that's a cap. Like it's got to be like the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn while sitting down or (laughs) something like that. Um the one thing that Puma is also missing out on this, like they got it in their sign, but they didn't get it on the shoe itself. Um, gamers love RGB. Okay, if you <laughs> if you had light up shoes that had RGB like built into like the bottom part, then you'd be good. But this is just basic black and white shoes, like socks. Even like we, it's not flashy. <laughs> I think my my cap for this, like for socks is like 20 bucks like i've bought 10 dollars pairs of socks from active because that's because i like the pattern and it was for a fundraiser for the camp i volunteer for so that's the only reason why i bought those but like a hundred dollars i could buy 10 of those really fancy fun socks for that same price i i think if anything the biggest miss here was that price point Okay, so for our next little bit of news, um, this is kind of interesting because it's I feel like it's a it's a backwards trek from what we usually see in 
um, other professional sports because um, Elk from the Philadelphia Fusion is going from being signed professionally with the Overwatch League to being a collegiate player for Harrisburg University in Pennsylvania. Um, that's really interesting because on one hand, yay, good good for you for getting your education. This is a good step forward for everything, but I'll get into that later. But it's like you were already a pro and now you're going to collegiate. That's not something that normally happens, I don't think, in most sports, unless you're counting like the Olympics because Olympians are, are generally pretty young in a lot of sports like gymnastics they're always young but this is crazy this opens up a whole new world i guess that i had never considered in making esports i guess even more than a career because you can use it to get into school this is a lot more um validation for esports that you can use it to get into a varsity team yeah, and I totally agree with that. In terms of the East Coast, in terms of the collegiate scene, they do offer scholarships. Uh, meanwhile, on the West Coast, like we still are trying to catch up on that. But the East Coast being able to offer Elk a scholarship and say, hey, we will help you with your education. You help us build our esports program. I think it's still just a win-win for everyone here. Um, like I understand moving Elk from a professional scene down to you know the collegiate scene. Well, it doesn't necessarily look good on his part from going from pro to, you know, back down to playing with college kids. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he is that age. He's allowed to do that um, and pursue an education. So I wonder, I, I do honestly wonder if other professional players might yeah. follow this route um, because you could go back, get your education and still have a fallback. Um, but if anything, uh since I follow at least the West Coast uh, collegiate scene, I feel like this would force players to become even more excited. Like, to say, like, hey, you know what? A pro player is in our league. We have a chance to take them on. And, like, you know, if you do get a... Let's say if you do get a win off of them, you're like, okay, I, I beat an Overwatch League player. I'm ready to go. Um, it's kind of at the same time when... Um, I remember the Academy of Art had a matchup against, I think it was, um, actually, I want to get this sh before I uh, I done goof it. Like, imagine, because Sin Sinatra was signed when he was 18. Imagine Sinatra going back down, then coming back up. I mean, he can do that as a, you know, as a character, or as a, as a player, because he yeah. is of age, but... And like honestly, I think in the long term that would be it would be smart for him to do something like that because you get your one you're getting the scholarship, so you're not paying any of your own money to go to school, and, and two you get the education, and three you can always go back up. I'm trying to remember, but I forgot which college uh, Moth went to, <coughs> but I remember seeing his name in one of our games when we were doing scrimmages. Um, against other colleges just to kind of get a trying to get some practice in and uh as firsthand it, it was not fun it was he was <laughs> insane on lucio and when you're the reinhardt and this was before the whole steadfast thing you just get 
booped around all over the place by this one Lucio. You have no idea where he is half the time. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fun, but Moth is one of those players who, you know, he's proved his worth. He's, he's you know, he's an Overwatch Cup champion. He's on the shock, you know, he's the season champion. So I'm glad that I at least got that experience. But I do understand where people would be like, wait, this is kind of a step down from where you want to be. Um, but I feel like it's a good move for players who aren't quite at the league level, but still want to pursue an education or still want to be involved in the esport itself. Um, you could always go back down and play in a college scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, will he be, he will probably be eligible for TESPA, which is the collegiate um, branch of Blizzard that runs all of the college stuff. Um, will this put Harrisburg University in the collegiate varsity series? Um, because I don't know if they had a solid, if they had a solid run before, um, before signing Elk. But if they do sign Elk, does that give them a top 16 position for them to be playing in um, TESPA? Yeah, my my thing that I'm wondering is, what is this going to do to the collegiate esports scene if you have people from the league coming into it? Are they going to be accepted? Are they going to be shunned? Are they going to be like, is it going to be like a coveted thing like where you're fighting it? each other to try to get this esports i mean this pro on your team or or how is that what's this that scene going to be like what's the dynamic going to be i feel like this is the same way how like collegiate sports are handled right now where you would go out maybe scout a prospect and go to go to their house maybe i don't know contact them in person and say hey do you want to join our college do this and that, you know, have dinner with the family, talk about, you know, what the school can offer you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like we're still early in this esports world. Like, I don't think, first of all, like some of the teams don't even have like a solid coach yet. So if you don't have a coach or like a head office or somebody who's scouting out for your team, you're not going to keep building it. Um, you're just going to have to take a shot and hope that they're doing that. It also comes down to like figuring out which players might want to move back down. Um, considering that a lot of these players who are in the Overwatch League are around, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, you probably have to figure out like what their interests outside of their esports are. Like, what do they want to do? Yeah. Um, and then you could definitely have colleges if they have an esports program approach said players. So um, I do feel like it can be something in the future. Um, and it will be really interesting to see if some more pro players end up dropping back and going into the collegiate scene. Um, as you know, uh, somebody who's involved in the collegiate scene on the West Coast, I feel like this really like adds a little bit to the fire like players are going to be more pumped to say like hey you know what i can take on this player or like we're motivated enough to attempt to take on a pro an ex-pro um and if they do you know maybe they'll be the next one to be signed up to the league you never know 
Well, speaking of signing people to the league, uh, we uh, we have two um, contender stories um, left to round out this podcast and the decade. So the first one is the European contenders team, Giganti, or I don't know how they pronounce this in Europe, um, dropped from the contender scene, uh, much like the Gladiators team did a couple weeks ago, when we which we talked about. So, more bad news for lower tier Overwatch. Kevin, this this topic is your baby. How 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 does this? How much does this hurt you? Um, I I do feel like it hurts a lot. Um, if anything, it just shows that Blizzard doesn't care about their tier two and tier three scenes. Like teams aren't finding it financially viable to keep their players in this in this game or in in here they like they came in second place when it came to the european major like there's just a lot of things that either investors are saying you know what we're not making our money back here let's just pull out and just fold our hand um but it does hurt the overwatch scene and we just need that forward progression we need to know that path to pro works and if Half to Pro doesn't work, then go ahead and get rid of it completely. Um, players will be found by the Overwatch League one way or another. Um, you don't have to pretend that there is a true way from getting from, you know, like lower tier to the top. Like you could train anybody to get there um, as long as they have the mechanical skill, will and drive to do it um, in the game sense, you know, but. It, I mean, ple- like teams are already signing people who are streamers because they understand that they can perform at a consistent rate. So, does it, it kind of throws a uh, it throws contenders and tier three under the bus? And if anything, if Overwatch League does describe does decide to scrap contenders and like the whole path to pro mentality, then yeah, it would. It definitely hurts the scene. I'm going to say that right now. But it's better off than pretending that this works. My question is, why Why is Blizzard so loath to support lower tier Overwatch? Like, these people love your game. These people want to make it, it better. Like, they, they want to be professional at this. Like, what? Why not? Like, why are you, why are you supporting more even like even more than i guess the the collegiate players why are you supporting the streamers more than that and dragging them up to the league when like they're they're not putting in the time sweat and effort to go through the path that you created and doing it your way yeah i feel like it still does hurt the whole concept of path to pro like blizzard isn't really putting the hammer down when it comes to signing players who are outside of the league um or even having that experience. But yeah, I feel like teams nowadays, especially a lot of the NA and now some of the EU teams are realizing we can't make profits off of a scene that doesn't even have viewership. Like once again, I'm going to, you know, more preach into the, to the overwatch gods here and hoping that they listen up. 
there needs to be a path to pro tab in the game client because we know about the overwatch league every day we know no okay homestands are coming in february uh we have gift sales for this like this player's getting signed and news and stuff like that we hear nothing about contenders we hear yeah absolutely nothing until it's like oh wait there's the gauntlet going on yay or like overwatch contenders finals um and then world cup happens like we don't hear anything about these lower tiers of Overwatch, and we need to bring that exposure. Do you think there's a way to bring that, ex- aside from adding um, a tab in the actual game client, is there a way to bring that, um, the, the necessary viewership to tier two or tier three? Or if not, how how long do you think the scene has left before it's completely dead? I would give it, honestly... I would give it one year. If the end of season three of Overwatch League has no incorporation with contenders, contenders is going to die. And it's really sad for me to say that. But at the same time, it's kind of it's kind of already there. Um, they're already barely giving any help to contenders. So I feel like that would just go off the radar and then open division would probably collapse with it. Um, Cause there's really not a lot of organization going into this. Now, do you, do you think that by not having a, a path to pro or a, an open division, like how badly do you think that's going to affect the, the league itself? Because I think, I think personally, if they completely axe um, a, a lower tier Overwatch, I think that's just going to scare investors even more. That there, there's no viable like way to get hopeful up and coming kids on an actual path to it. And then I think that's just going to kill the scene even faster. So that maybe after five years, Overwatch League itself is dead. I do feel like it's a really terrible thing to say, but in all honesty, if there's no money coming in for Blizzard, they're going to ax it. Um, it's one of those sad things like, how can I say it? And they don't trust in the collegiate scene either. We saw what happened with Heroes of the Storm. I'm going to bring up that old uh, old thing. Like Heroes of the Storm had a really good college scene, and a lot of players in the college in the collegiate era, like loved playing heroes of the storm, but then it just all of a sudden got axed because there's not a lot of investors or a lot of money or a lot of dev work going into it. So that died pretty quickly. Um, I'm afraid to say that if contenders and open division don't straighten up, the college scene might try to pick it up and then it would just be kind of like how NCAA works for every other sport it's like you watch the college scene to see who's good or Mm -hmm. who has potential and then you sign them to to the big leagues if you see that they're the ones to go for it so it would be it would be interesting to see if that happens but at the same time it may close the window on some of these younger younger players to not be able to even play 
this is just bad news all around. This is this is not good. Um, any and even worse news. Um, so a couple years ago, what was this? What year was this? Let me look that up. It is inaugural season. Oh, okay, inaugural season. Um, oh yeah, I remember. <clears throat> yeah, inaugural season. Um, Dream Casper, who was playing on the Boston Uprising, am I right? Yep. Yeah, Boston Uprising. Um, well, he's resurfaced, and the reason he were referring to him in the past tense is because if you didn't know, Dream Casper was a player during inaugural season who was fired from the league when it was discovered that he, as a 21-year-old man, was sending inappropriate texts and requesting sex from a 14-year-old girl, um, which is, is very illegal and very pedophile of him to do. Um, so we thought he was gone. But turns out that Team Dark Esports has been running this guy in their Tier 3 team. Um, and I think the most unfortunate part of this for me is is seeing all the comments that are like, one, he's a good player, and two, you should just forgive him already. It's been he's done his time. Um, no. One, th- this reminds me so much of the the Me Too movement and the Weinstein scandal, which I was working at Variety magazine when this the Weinstein scandal happened. So like I I know all of that like very inside and out so this is very reminiscent of that um and it's just sad to me to to see how many people are willing to defend a predator and a pedophile just because he can play my game good like no he he people are saying like he was a kid at the time no he was 21 he wasn't 18 he wasn't 17 just turned 18 he is he had been legal for three whole years like you know this is wrong at this point um and and this is just considering the topic we just talked about this is not the news that lower tier overwatch needs right now at all like this is just more bad stuff on bad stuff yeah i feel like it's really it's kind of disgusting to see players like defend dream casper here um like he committed a crime and you're just gonna say oh he's good at the game so we'll just let him keep playing that's not how it works like i understand the, the, the thing is that that's how it is it's like it, it's not how it should work but it's how it does work because like even with again with weinstein like there very recently he was at a comedy club for young people with young women there in I think New York city and people defended him being there and saying that he's done his time and he deserves to come back. Like I know what we're saying. It shouldn't work like this. It's not supposed to be that you forgive someone who's done something as atrocious as this, but for some reason society decides that if you did something good one time and you do this horrible crime, then we're going to overlook what you did because you made the thing that I like, or you do the thing that I like. Yeah, it's it's not a good look on on dark mode esports here, especially for a tier three team. And 
another thing is that he's playing underneath a different name. He's not going by Dream Casper. He's going by some other name on the team, which is even shadier, right? Absolutely. It's like he knows. He knows people are going to... As soon as they see Dream Casper, he's done. Exactly. So they, they put him under a different name um, and just thought that we would just overlook this. So I honestly don't think that this is... This is a thing. I don't. I I'm really just disgusted to just know that Dream Casper is still playing Overwatch in Tier Three. Um, but once again, if anything, it if he if he's washed up, he's washed up. If not, you know, he's playing in this lower league. It's gonna motivate players to just try to beat him even better. You know. Yeah, I hope that they're just whomping on him and that he gets sad and leaves. I remember my first, the first time I went to Blizzard Arena, it was for Stage 1 Finals in um, Season 1. But like he, we, we got out of our car and we were walking to Blizzard Arena and then from across the street, my brother's like, oh, that's Dreamcaster. I'm like, who is he? He's like, oh, he's really good. He's on uh, Boston Uprising. So like, I saw him there I'm like, oh, I'm the oh my brother likes him because he'd been paying attention to league more than I had. Like I'm gonna pay attention to this guy. If my brother likes him, he must be good. Then a couple a couple weeks later, the news breaks and I'm like, oh, well the one the one person I know of in the league is gone. So that was weird. But I'm just very uncomfortable with it. It just adds more to that bro culture mentality of overwatch if so many people are so willing to forgive him for this so quickly like he he was soliciting sex for and from a 14 year old girl like she's so young like that could potentially ruin her life forever i mean it ruined his career as well or it should have it should have ruined his career it's at, at this point it looks like it slightly derailed his career yeah, you it, know, it's a minor uh, inconvenience to him at this point. Yeah, uh, teen catcher shouldn't be allowed on this game. So, uh, that's what <sighs> I've been calling him, <laughs> and that's pretty I mean, much accurate. what he is. Accurate. Do you think? This... The... Go, go for uh, it. Go, go. Do you? Yeah, I was gonna ask the same question that you were just about to ask. It's like, do you think the Overwatch League, uh, like council or you know? the commission board for open division would crack down on something like this. Um, do you think that there's any, any repercussions or consequence of having this kind of thing go down? I don't think there will be. Honestly, I think if anything, they might quietly dismiss him from the team when no one's paying attention. I feel like they might just be silent about it and not do anything like until there's like major backlash like there was with Hong Kong. Um, I don't know. I don't, honest, and honestly, like I don't, I'm not sure really who the blame should go on here. Should it go on the council or whoever's in charge of all this stuff for allowing it to happen in the first place? Should it go on the, the team management that they signed him? Should it go on Dreamcasper for not staying away from this game where he was kicked out? Like, 
who who is culpable the most in this do you think i'm i'm personally not sure where the blame lies yeah and i feel like that's up to the overwatch open division board to really figure out um they can't just you know change a rule randomly um we don't know how long dream casper has been playing in this league either um so if we do figure that out and then figure out how long was and then also is it an account ban or is it an ip ban um that they put onto dream casper that's another question um but yeah it, it just it makes me feel gross just knowing that he's playing in tier three and there's no real repercussion of it whatsoever um I would understand if they like if he most people are going to say like, well, he served his time. He's a changed man. But like at the same time, this is not a good look for tier three or the team. So um, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully people will either be on one side or the other. And this is not. Just not a good look for tier three. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I guess to um, let's end this on on a more happy note. Um, what are your plans for the new for New Year's, Kevin? Oh, I'm bringing over V and Kumo, who were you know two of the players from my original Overwatch team. Um, we're just hanging out, celebrating the new year. Um. And we've been doing it for the past like couple years now. It's just like a part of my Overwatch family that just comes over and hangs out, and that's kind of what esports is really all about: just bringing people together and having fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just glad that I get to that these guys are essentially like a part of my team uh, from the very beginning, and now they're like good good friends of mine, and we can all yeah. just hang out and play games. So. It's a good way to end the end the story. I'm gonna have them over for for uh, New Year's, and then other than that, we're just gonna try to get everybody you know the skins that they need. So mm-hmm. see how that goes. How about you? Got a rush on that. It's it's ending on the second, right? Yeah, ends on the second. So go ahead and get your wins. Do May snowball fight, whatever, uh, or what I did, uh, random death match because I feel like I'm better at that than the yeah. May snowball game. So. I've just been running Mystery Heroes. Yep, Mystery Heroes. Just as long as you get the wins. You yeah. just need nine wins. Um, but yeah, t- time's a ticking. And right now it's the Mercy uh, Snow Angel skin. So go ahead and grab that while you can. Uh, we'll see what comes down the pipeline later. But yeah, that that looks like it for the holiday season. What's your favorite your favorite um Overwatch memory bin of the year? I feel like one of the biggest highlights of my Overwatch, you know, Overwatch year so far is being able to say that I've reached diamond. Um nice. like not saying that like rank is a flex, but it's I started out it's an accomplishment from where I started. Like I started out in like low gold, not knowing much uh, yeah. going into the few years. And I've been sitting around plat like all of last year 
And now that I'm slowly starting to gain like teammates who are willing to trust me or willing to do like crazy stuff and trust me that I will keep them alive. Um, especially like late night stuff where I'm just like, you know what? Just Ryan charge in there. I'll throw the Sigma shield, man. I, I promise you won't get hit by that sleep dart. Just go for the Ana. Just tell me when you're going to go for it. And he's like, three, two, one, go. And just being able to trust your team to do to do things is really empowering. It also helps that they're a part of the college scene. So they kind of do the same call outs and same rollouts that mm-hmm. I did when I was on the team. Um, so being coordinated and understanding, you know, okay, yeah, we're, do- we're doing Volsky Industries. Let's just go. Let's do the, you know, Dallas Fuel route. Just fake the, fake the front, go TP to the left. Uh, that kind of thing or you know we'll speed boost in we'll just try to ryan zarya get into the back line like things like that it's small things that i really did take for granted uh when i was on the college team but now that i have friends who still play on the team and are willing to play hard um it's something that i'm really grateful for how about you any any fun uh achievements that you would say that you've had over this last year or decade even you could say like the entire (laughs) lifespan of overwatch um i finally clawed my way out of silver into gold so like that's an accomplishment for me because i like i solo queue so literally every single time i play it's a random grab bag of who i'm playing with um so i i'm like not consistent in my games at all like Sometimes I'll have really good teams and I'll stick with them. Sometimes I'll have people who are like literally just maywalling because they're trying to they're trying to drop their rank and they're throwing. So they're literally maywalling me in every single time and it's just frustrating as all hell. Um but I think my favorite honestly was like finding out we'd be doing this podcast because I'm like, oh, okay, now I have to actually like pay attention to to Overwatch League. Cause at, at that point I could say like I have a career in in esports in gaming like my my geekiness is paying off professionally. You know? Yeah. It does feel really empowering too. Like I would also say casting Overwatch is kind of a big deal too to me. Yeah. Um it, it's not like something I just throw away. It's just it doesn't happen as often as this podcast. Um but it's very empowering like knowing what abilities do like certain things like how players are going to be playing certain maps and it's a lot of fun and i hope that if anything i hope that blizzard improves on the game uh going on and improving the esports culture going into this next decade and into this next year um i just hope that overwatch doesn't end up dying off and being replaced by the next best thing but you know i'll i'll be there i'll be wherever i need to be but overwatch league currently is the one to one to go for so anything else or does this do it for the deck the first decade of the overwatch league podcast uh yeah i'm pretty sure that does it i just want to thank everybody for listening to us uh where we've done 19 of these episodes so far uh including the, the secret one. Um, but I really do hope that you guys keep supporting us throughout this next year um, and enjoy listening and watching the league um, as we continue on forward. 
yeah, February is coming around the corner and we'll be taking a look at all the new changes that happened in the league and all the new faces. Like, I, I don't even recognize anyone on the Spitfire at this point. So it's going to be a struggle for me to learn who people are. But yeah, thanks to everyone for, for taking a listen. Thank you to Blee for giving us a chance with this podcast. And can't wait to do it all again into the new year and the new decade. Next week, we'll usher in the new year with a discussion on homestands, as well as other Overwatch League news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. That's B-L-E-A-V and O-W-L. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.